Woot woot. Hello, sweetie darlings. This is your old friend T, Tiffany Lee Brown, from the Burning Tarot podcast art project. Tarot deck? No, it is not available for sale. Um, and um, tarot and astrology reading practice and weird art installations and Burning Man thing. Yes, all of that. But today we're doing the Burning Tarot podcast. Normally, as the regulars know, our podcast is a nature walk. We observe what's going on out there, usually in the forest here in central Oregon. And we happen to pull a tarot card and we get a little reading on that. Gives us something to think about for the upcoming week or so. Or sometimes three weeks, you know. I don't know how long the timeline's going to last. And I hope it's fun for y'all. It's fun for me. And today we're stuck inside. Oh dear, oh dear. I, and you may be able to tell this from my voice, I'm kind of sick. I seem to have a cold. Tested negative for COVID. But I have a cold and I was in bed all day. And I have an injured wrist, so I'm kind of a mess, honestly. But thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to do a few things, such as talk on the phone or record a podcast on the phone. So why don't you join me in just taking a moment to breathe and feel our bodies. Some of you like to listen to this while you take walks or while you drive your cars or cook. Personally, I'm a, I'm a cooking podcast person, at least when I have enough hands to be able to cook. I like sit around and listen to Ezra Klein and I listen to Circling the Drain and I cook and cook. But anyway, so I know not everybody can drop whatever they're doing at this moment and breathe and bow to the elements But we're going to do that exercise briefly anyway. And you can just kind of do this in your mind if your body is otherwise occupied. So think of the North. And by the way, all traditions have a different way of, you know, everybody's got their own way of doing this. This is one that I was taught many years ago and then that I decided to resuscitate about 10 years ago. So I start with North. And I bow to the North to the earth, the gods and goddesses and spirits of the earth, the energy of the earth element, the power that courses through my feet as I stand here, my feet which appear to have grown roots, and those roots extend and expand beneath me and around me, down, down, And from the earth, I, like a tree, I am drawing nutrients. I am drawing up minerals. And as I breathe, I can feel all that richness in the soil and the rock and the magma beneath me. All that amazing earth energy coursing up through my roots, through my feet and legs through my thighs, 
my naughty little private parts, my many gooey, interesting organs, my miles and miles of guts and intestines. I breathe the earth element up into my asshole, into my tailbone, sacred sacrum. You know, I can feel it loosening and strengthening my muscles at the same time. I can feel it bubbling up from the ground through me, my aching joints, my snotty nose, all the way up. I breathe it through my heart and lungs. I breathe it up my back, my spine, my frankly kind of tweaked out nervous system. The earth energy rises, rises. It comes up to my throat and my collarbone. I feel it going down my shoulders and elbows, all the way through my, oh, ouchy, ouchy wrist, down through my hands. And the excess energy and all the gunk it's pushing out of its way, those just flow through my hands as I breathe. Energy comes up from the earth. It cleanses and moves stuff around, and then it swooshes out through my fingertips. So I am like a fountain a fountain of earth. And then if we want to breathe up through our necks and throats, the earth energy can float right up into our blithery blathery mouths. It can relax and enrich our tongues, our teeth. It feels really good around the eyes and the eyebrows and the cheeks, the jaw muscles, the ears, the forehead, earth energy covers our heads. The dura mater, which surrounds our skulls. Ah. Ah. It all relaxes, yet feels energized. And then into the brain. Interesting, squishy thing. Let's allow very connected, grounded earth energy to soar up through our bodies and relax and release our brains. And with this, we can give a little bow to the north and the earth, all those earth energies, which we can personify as gods, as goddesses, as spirits, whatever you want to call it, man, as rocks, as trees, as materiality as body. Thank you, Earth. Thank you, Earth, for all you bring us. Thanks for letting us come to the party. Thanks for letting us come to Earth school, dude. Yeah! I'm going to shake that out a little. Nice. I kind of went a little long there on the Earth part. I usually do. So I'm just going to give a quick little breathe and bow to the east now. I bow to the east and I praise the spirits, the gods, the goddesses, the boogieing wind and birds and butterflies of air. The air element with its mystery, its clarity, its penchant for communication and electricity. The higher up the sky. Thank you, air. And I bow. And now, let us, my dears, point ourselves at the south. 
And let's breathe to the south. Let's bow to fire, that great element that transforms and initiates. The energy that can get out of control really fast, but that is so associated with our transformational processes and with magic and with getting stuff started and getting stuff done. Fire, thank you. We bow and we breathe. <sighs> All righty, we got one left, you guys. Let's head west. That's where we find the water in this tradition, which I like because I'm a West Coast girl. I mean, I don't think you can get more West Coast girl than me. Girl slash non-binary. Yeah, Oregon, throw in some California. Okay, there was a little Europe and New York in there, but I totally, whatever, I'm from Oregon. So here, if you look to the west, you're looking towards the Pacific Ocean, which is this enormous, powerful thing. This is not the little, like, cute Atlantic Ocean kind of going, wave, wave, in, you know, Florida, which is pretty. They have really nice sunrises over there. This is like massive. She is roaring in and sending enormous Pacific waves at our beautiful coastline. And so when I turn to the West and I bow to water, I know I can think about it in a very literal way. And as I breathe, <coughs> as I breathe and cough, I'm looking out over a giant puddle that's just outside my window. Do I want there to be a giant puddle there? No. Do I wish someone would like cut a drain in that area? Sure. But it's beautiful. It's collecting the rain. It's reflecting little yellow leaves in autumn. It's reflecting the rain falling down and the trees moving up. And I know that beyond that puddle, there are beautiful lakes there's Lava Lake, there's Subtle Lake, there's Blue Lake. There are rivers, there's the Mackenzie River, the Sayuzla, the Willamette, and all beyond there, Mother Ocean, the Pacific. And as I breathe, instead of doing a little bowing motion, like with your hands together, I make a big hug. I feel like a big circular hug is the way to acknowledge the power of water how it can move us so hugely and sometimes slowly, how it is stronger, it puts out fire, it withers through earth and rock. And it's connected to our feminine spirit and our ancestry and our abilities to dream, to get really far out. And so I hug and bow to and breathe to water. And now, how about if we uh, have a card? We're using the Golden Tarot by Cat Black. That's Cat with a K. Do not be deceived by all those other decks that call themselves the Golden Tarot. A lot of them really aren't so great. This one's fabulous. And regular listeners already know that because we use her deck so much. And these images are made by 
uh, digital collage, which Cat Black did a long time ago. I don't know now, 20, 20, 25 years, like back when digital collage was, you know, a lot harder to do. Um, and the source materials are beautiful paintings, uh, mostly from the Renaissance era, like the Western art. We have drawn today the Hermit. The Hermit is kind of a super awesome card that I love and that for me really works well with the autumnal season really kicking in. And here in Oregon, that that's what it feels like right now. I mean, it's just like, yep, it's super duper autumn right now. If you're uh, in the southern hemisphere or at the equator, this may seem less interesting to you, but you can still totally take a clue and a cue from the hermit. He is number nine in the major arcana. So the major arcana, for those of you who aren't acquainted with the tarot, aka tarot, yes, I think everybody should be able to pronounce that however the heck they want. Tarot is more Frenchy, and tarot is what kind of the old school English and Americans who studied this uh, decades ago, including me, that's how everybody used to pronounce it. So I try to go with both. Anywho, um, the tarot is divided into two sections. We've got the major arcana, which is kind of this big story, numbered card zero, through card 21 in most decks. And it's a big, like, playground O archetypes. It's kind of great. And when you pull one of these cards in a reading, like a like if you were to buy a reading from me, which you are welcome to do, tiffanyleebrown.com, a little link that says shop. So if you were to buy a reading from me, you might get a one-card reading, but most people get larger readings than that, uh, which gives you a lot more information and context. So in a larger reading, you might have five cards or three cards or 11 cards, which is my favorite. It's my version of the Celtic cross. And you see so you have all these different cards hanging out. And uh, a lot of them are going to be minor arcana or pip cards because there's more of those in the deck. Those are the ones that come in suits, you know, the four suits that correspond to those elements that we were just breathing and bowing to, you know, cups, swords, wands, etc. And um, the major arcana cards in a reading like that, they tend to stand out more. So if your whole reading, like you have, let's say you're pulling a Celtic cross, you've got 10 or 11 cards, and like eight of them are major arcana, also known as trumps, I don't use that word for them very much. Can't imagine why. Uh, but if, you know, if a whole bunch of them come up as major arcana, like statistically, that's, you know, very unlikely. And you would really pay attention. You'd say, whoa, this reading, like the whole universe is going, hello, dude, pay attention. Here's this huge message for you. Something like that. And... um it's kind of bigger themes, bigger archetypal moments in our lives. and Or in a reading, you might have um, 10 minor arcana cards and just 
one major in there. Well, you got to give the major just more weight. It's bigger. It's heavier. doesn't mean it's better, but it's going to tell you, uh, even if it's in a spot in the reading that isn't maybe super interesting, um, it's really, your reader should pay better attention to that. And it might mean that this is stuff that's deep, it's archetypal, it might involve a, a larger community or like a bigger, big-ass vibe that's affecting a lot of people, kind of like how astrology does and planet, planetary movements, the upcoming eclipse. Um, it'll just have that heaviness to it where some of the minor arcana or pip cards might be a little more um, small. They might just pertain to your little life and your little feelings, which are totally important. But yeah, it's a different vibe. So we have, I think, did we do a major arcana last time too? I can't even remember our last card. Well, I'm sick. I'm allowed to forget stuff. So we've got the hermit. He's number nine in the major arcana. So being in the major arcana, we give him a little extra, you know, a little extra moment of our attention. I love what Cat Black has done in this deck. I'm going to do what I don't get to do when I'm doing burning tarot out in the woods like we normally do. I'm going to put on my readers. Yes, I am old enough to need these kinds of little magnifying glasses. All right, so there's the hermit. I'm looking at him with my readers on. Huh, doesn't really change it very much. But uh, maybe it'll make me home in on some details. She, Cat Black, has chosen a St. Francis of Assisi image to represent the hermit. So that's an exciting kind of different take on the vibe that's um, that's particular to this deck. So St. Francis is like a really good writer, for starters, but he's the guy that, uh, that hangs out with the animals. And so if you go um, to certain Catholic homes, churches, neighborhoods, and even now it's kind of grown beyond the Catholics, a lot of people will have a little statue or niche uh, with St. Francis, and he'll usually have like, there's a little cement bird on his little cement shoulder, right? There's a little, he's like Snow White, you know, only an old dude with a beard. Um, in most decks in the kind of uh, Rider Waite, Smith, Smith Rider Waite tradition, he would be holding a staff, magical wand-oriented staff. In this deck, he is, uh, one of his hands is petting a deer that's hanging out. There's a small bird at the deer's feet. There's a little bobcat-looking creature nearby. And the woods are behind him. As is typical for the hermit in the major arcana of most modern decks, uh, he's carrying a lantern. So the hermit, and you know, he's a, he's like a white guy with a uh, gray and white hair and beard. And he's wearing a, you know, when you think of like a monk hermit, that's what this guy looks like. 
you know, wearing like a, a brown, you know, big long dress thing. What do they call those? Cassock or something? I don't remember. So it's fun to have Cat Black's particular rendition of this card. But before I get into her particulars, I just want to sit with the hermit himself for a moment. You know, he's card number nine, so he falls between, he comes after strength. She's card eight, also has an animal, usually a lion. And then after we go through this hermit phase, we open into card 10 of the Major Arcana, which is called Wheel of Fortune. So we're in this interesting time between needing and gathering our strength and finding out how to use our strength um, in a calm but not necessarily passive way. The strength card can be very revealing as to how we dip into our inner strength to prevent an outer disaster from happening, to keep ourselves protected, or to protect ourselves from our inner, like, you know, screaming freaked out lion selves. Maybe you don't have one of those in you. I got one in me. And so the strength card is a lovely reminder of how to pet that creature, how to soothe it rather than just, you know, picking a fight with it. And as we come out of that strength moment in the journey that is the major arcana, we are led to the hermit. The hermit has to go inside. There is much to be learned by spending time with oneself. To me, I'm thinking of how I've had this injury for weeks and weeks and a lot of time I can't drive and I kind of live out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and I got attacked by yellow jackets. I think I told you guys about that. So just having a weird time. Um, and And now I've got this cold and I've sat in bed all day, right? So sometimes when we're sick or injured, it jolts us out of a routine. Weather can do it too, right? If there's smoke, if there's snow, uh, a lot of different weather conditions can really make us go inside our homes. And that's sometimes an opportunity to go inside our bodies, our interior minds, deep into our consciousness. Some people do that via certain kinds of meditation that they happen to prefer, right? You might be um, a Soto Zen priest. I happen to know that there are Soto Zen priests who listen to Burning Tarot, which I totally feel honored about that. Hello. Um, but your style may be different. It may, you can, most of us can access a certain kind of interior knowledge through verbal and intellectual pursuits, including writing, journaling, verbalizing. Sometimes we have to drop all that. You have to get away from language because it, uh, it can elucidate and it can expand 
and illuminate, but it can also kind of get in the way of the weirder, juicier stuff that, you know, the ineffable. Can't do words on those, right? And so everybody's got their own method. Um, I'm a big fan of floating in the bathtub and not calling it meditation and seeing what happens. And it can get really freaking weird. You might like guided meditations, which um, are readily available on YouTube and things like that. Um, I mean, maybe it's not easy to find good ones or like non-creepy, non-hypnotic ones. But that can be a source. Or you might read books that have suggestions for how to meditate. So this whole idea of exploring in an interior way... um, Everybody does it differently, and that's all, that's all right. You don't have to use this uh, hermit opportunity to... You don't have to do it the way you did it last time. And you certainly don't have to follow somebody else's program or what happened to work for your friend. But it can be fun to experiment, right? Uh, bodily interiority is also a thing. Some people think, no, you have to do stillness. You have to be cross-legged on a cushion. That's great for the people that that works for. That's their thing and they like it. And the, you know, the bell rings and, um, and that's great. And I sit around and, and listen to Thich Nhat Han doing that sometimes when you hear the bell. Um, but you might find that dancing is more of an art that brings you into your deeper consciousness, into your intuition. It might be walking in the woods. It might be sitting in the woods. It might be standing barefoot in the cold on the sidewalk. Your senses and your body, our senses, our bodies, can really be engaged while we're doing. They delve into the personal, the private, the interior that the hermit would do, that the hermit encourages us to do. The hermit knows that there's stuff to learn solo and in the darkness. And if we try to avoid being solo, or if we try to avoid going into the darkness, into the wilderness, we're never going to get all those goodies. Ideally, one goes into nature. So as we've pulled this card, let's say, let's say we're going to hang on to this for a couple weeks. Really, let's go out of our way to pay attention to nature. And that doesn't have to be a big deal. Like today, I didn't take my big walk in the woods as I like to do. I'm sick. Um, it's just not going to happen. But I can stare out my window at some trees and a whole bunch of pine needles on the ground. And if you see weeds crawling up through the cracks of your sidewalk, that's nature too. So the hermit combines exteriority, including what we would call sort of the exterior world of nature, with the interior pole someone who lives alone in a little cabin and meditates or prays or writes groovy manuscripts with all their time. This hermit has animal friends. 
the cat black version here. And they're helping him wander through the wilderness. Um, some people in the whole woo-woo world associate the hermit with Saturn. So the Saturn archetype and the planet Saturn. Saturn's the old man. So in some ways that really makes sense. And Saturn uh, in astrology, excuse me, in modern astrology, he really exerts discipline on us or exerts forces on us that make us scramble around and realize, oh crap, I need discipline. <laughs> I better come up with some or I'm not going to be able to meet Saturn's challenges. I think in this context, the challenges we face are they're kind of our own demons typically or our own kind of mm, lack of focus or laziness or whatever that can prevent us from even finding five minutes to go deeper, to pray, to meditate, to float around in the bath, to sit around outside. So you may feel drawn toward that, or you might find that there's awkward, uncomfortable stuff around you in the next couple weeks that maybe would inspire you to meditate, to spend time in nature, because the other stuff is annoying, you know? And you're like, I can't deal with this. I'm going for a walk, dude. Or I can't deal with this. Uh, I'm sick. I'm in bed. I'm not going to do anything too strenuous, but I am going to allow myself to rest for once and just see what the restful mind can bring. Um, others, I'm trying to think who. I think it's Paul Foster Case identifies the hermit card as being related to Virgo. So the sign of Virgo in the Zodiac, which is ruled by Mercury. I'm pretty sure it's case. So in that, in that case, haha, Mercury would be the ruler of this sign instead of Saturn. And the Virgo qualities of Mercury in particular would come to the surface. And you know what? Virgo is really freaking good at doing kind of the priest-priestess thing. Virgo is a wonderful, it's a mutable earth sign. And so with Virgo energy, we can simultaneously do earth and do change, newness, learning. Uh we can bring from the gods, goddesses, and be a conduit of those sort of heavenly or powerful energies to the earth and to ourselves and to other people. Virgo's super good at that stuff. So that's kind of groovy, groovy smoothie. And, um, you know, and Mercury too is the psychopomp, which means that of the sort of, uh, you know, Greek and Roman pantheon. He's the guy, he, she, they. Some people think Mercury is definitely more in they territory. They can, uh, can shift. They can hang out in heaven 
and in the earth sphere and down in Hades. Not everybody can do that. And then come back. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's Mercury, it's the messenger. They can go wherever they want. They're not like the other regular gods. So the hermit, perhaps, shares that ability to connect deep, dark, earthy secrets from within ourselves or from within the earth or even within our culture and our society and discover them, deal with them, unearth them, sit with them, and bring them and that exploration on the hermit's journey through the forest with just a small lamp to guide him. The light that the hermit carries is really important. Not only does it help him be able to navigate in unknown territory, in whatever kind of darkness he faces, right? It could be the darkness of nighttime. It could be the darkness of a deep forest, the kind from the stories, you know? how forests used to be in North America or British Isles or Germany or whatever, right? When these territories were hugely forested and the trees were enormous and their canopies were all linked together up top. You couldn't see all that much underneath, right? So having a little lantern, pretty good idea. And you can go all crazy with like, what does the lantern signify? What's the symbolism there? How does that relate to the Kabbalah? Plenty of stuff to read about that out there in the world. I will let you go do that for yourselves if you're into that. I think the main important issue here is that even though he's wandering off on his own and the stuff he has to learn, he has to do by himself. He can't just go like join a retreat seminar and learn it over a Zoom session. <laughs> eh, nope. This is like, he's, it's him and nature. That's it. So the light, the illumination, the learnings, you know, he's kind of generating them himself. He's, he's moving the energies through his body. And they're, they're coming out as light. And that's encapsulated in this nice little lantern. And he can kind of use that to groove his way through the woods. The hermit is not a sad guy. The hermit is not like, oh, I got rejected from society. And so I'm living out here. Like I know a somewhat hermit guy here in Deschutes National Forest. I don't know him well, but he sometimes comes down and socializes and... We've had him over for dinner, or he meditates with some people, things like that. You know, and that's his gig, is just having a camper and living in the forest here. And there's another place where he spends part of the winter close by. And he's not sad to be doing this. He's chosen this lifestyle where he can be with the trees and meditate and read interesting books. He's a hermit. Still talks to people sometimes. So our hermit in the card, you know, it's not like, oh shoot, I got like lost in the wilderness. This is terrible. It's like, no, this is much stronger. This is the part of us that has the strength, the determination, and the curiosity to say, "Mm, I need to learn more. I need to wander the dark forest. 
the dark forest within my heart, the dark forest within my ancestral past, the dark forest, in my case, that I actually live in. So he's making a choice to do this. The lamp also tells other people, like, hey, you know, you could be like, you could be like hanging out in your, in your, your village, your little hut, and you'd come out and maybe you would see a light far away on the neighboring ridge on the mountain. And you would know, you'd go, oh, that must be old hermit such and so, old Frank, wandering the ridge at night. And you would become curious. You might get interested. You might want to explore as well. The hermit can mean that we should also look, in addition to our solitude, we should also look at, are we a teacher or mentor to others? Are we holding out a lamp so that others can, you know, get a little something from whatever we're learning or our hard-earned wisdom or skills? Whatever we got you know, blathering a podcast. There you go. That's my little lantern. Hi. So the hermit card, you know, it's a push-pull thing where, yes, you got to be interior, but you got to be exterior. And then just pay attention to, uh, is a teacher or mentor coming your way? This might be a good time to look out for them. Or if you're in that position, and I think a lot of us do both, right? We teach somebody and we learn from somebody, right? Every day is like that. And the hermit card invites us to be conscious of that. And uh, so if you have someone that you learn from, this is a good time to thank them. Um, If you have people who maybe follow your work, I know we have a lot of writers on this podcast or among the listeners who contact me. Um, you know, hey, say hi to your fans, you know, or do some of the annoying work that you have to do usually on the internet (laughs) in order to reach out to your fans or your readers or, or the people who took your workshop three years ago. This could also be a good time to reach out to them. And it doesn't have to be in the spirit of salesmanship. It doesn't really have to be a marketing ploy uh, you know, or the endless monetization of everything. It can just be a genuine, hey, you guys, I'm sending out an email. Thanks for taking the workshop three years ago. I was just remembering it. Hope you guys are good. Signed, me the hermit. So that's a nice, uh, fun little extra layer we get from the hermit. I love this card because it's giving us permission to withdraw a bit from the world. So uh, I know I've mentioned on the podcast before that I have developed an addiction to the New York Times website. This is after a couple of years where I really was barely following the news at all. I have bipolar disorder and I went through a serious doozy of episodes um, conveniently during that pandemic. Um, and I just literally couldn't deal with the news. Like I was actually going crazy And though I have management techniques 
and doctors and therapists and all that kind of stuff, um, the last thing I needed was to like, here, give the crazy lady access to, you know, a hundred articles about everything, you know, read the New Yorker, read the New York Times, read the whatever. It was like, oh my gosh, no, keep me away from that. So that would be for me an example of something that keeps me uh, really in thrall to the larger political world or social world. I kind of get a kick out of it. I am a newspaper columnist. That's my excuse. But in reality, it was fine when I didn't read the news hardly at all for like two years while I dealt with the seemingly never-ending bipolar cycle. Um, and so when I see the, the hermit, I think, huh, well, maybe I could reduce my news awareness and consumption for the next couple of weeks to give my brain and my nervous system a little more kind of spaciousness so that I can do this important interior excavation or I can really spend time in the woods, in the trees. Uh, so yeah, whatever keeps you, um, yeah, whatever keeps you hooked. Um, this is a, a convenient time to kind of loosen that grip for a couple weeks. Uh, and that can, that can be awkward, you know. We have habits. Part of why we have habits is because they're soothing to us. You know, the daily routine, the ritual. Oh, I'm going to get up, I'm going to check the artist formerly known as Twitter, and then I'm going to make my coffee, and then I'm going to read this newspaper, and then I'm going to, you know, everybody's got their own little routine. But some of our routines could really use some alteration, at least for just a couple weeks, you know. Uh, So there's that too. The hermit gives you permission to say, you know what, I'm going to block myself off the New York Times website, whatever, maybe for the whole two weeks, or maybe, you know, five days out of seven, I'll be blocked. I won't be able to see it. I won't think about it anymore. Hurrah. Or maybe there's, um, maybe you have a really demanding uh, schedule that you have for your workouts, so that there's no moment of your day where you're not at work or going to a class um, or doing a Zoom class or whatever. And maybe that's too much. You know, maybe maybe if you release that for 10 days, 12 days, 14 days, you might find that something valuable comes to you by taking some of that time and doing something more kind of spacious and solo instead. Or something restful. The hermit himself, you know, he's walking and he's got it. Usually he has a staff carrying his lantern. So we might not think of him as being terribly restful. But I find that the card often implies rest for my clients. Whether you want the rest or not. Uh, And as somebody who suffers from chronic illness, you know, I know what it's like to draw the hermit and be like, I, I've been, you know, I I used to be sick a lot more and there would be times where I was just in bed most of the time 
And, you know, there are magical realms that you can go to when you're forced to sit in your bed all the time, right? That's how we get, you know, Proust uh, is this is illness. And so you don't have to take the hermit literally like, like I got to hike a mountain in order for this to work. You can do this kind of uh, sinking into a beautiful exploration, you know, from the comfort of your bed or bath or if you don't have a bed or a bath or beyond, haha, uh, someplace restful that you might have uh, where you can chill out and nobody will bother you, such as in your car, maybe, or a tent. So that's one way of taking, taking the hermit's message is that it's more about the interiority and the depth and that feeling of solitude around oneself than it is about actually climbing a mountain, you know? Well, speaking of climbing mountains, I hope that when we come back for our next Burning Tarot, we will be back outside, and I will be telling you all about whatever animals are or are not present at that time. For now, I will tell you that it's still gently raining outside, and the leaves are still pretty on this one little yellowy tree. And I love how the ponderosa pine needles look when it rains here because they have this pale, uh, pale taupe amber quality. They blanket everything. And then when it rains on them, they, they just get this lovely richness of color. So that's what I'm looking at. Oh, well, I'm going to go take care of my cold. I hope this was enjoyable to you. Um... You guys, I really love hearing from you. What do you think about the Hermit card? You think I'm right? Think I'm wrong? How does this kind of stuff relate to your life? What about the previous couple readings? Please send me um, just a little email, burningtarot at gmail.com. Uh, I'm not making that up. I'm not saying that because all podcasts, podcast hosts say stuff like that I actually really dig it um and not like a huge giant enormous email because that's overwhelming for me but one paragraph maybe two I really enjoy hearing back from y'all so maybe I'll hear from you and if not whatever my voice will be floating through the ether and the internet you are welcome to hear it next time on burning tarot